0: hello welcome to science factual prepare yourself for factual download sequence commencing What's that? Is it a bird? A plane? No, it's it's a giant fucking comet heading right for Earth. Just kidding, although Armageddon is technically a film, it is not the one that we're covering in this episode. No, today we look at the recently released Don't Look Up from director Adam McKay. You would probably recognize him from like, you know, the dudes who brought you stepbrothers, but he took a pretty big swing at this film, so we're gonna take a look at it. This week's movie was recommended to me not only by Netflix every chance that they got, but by fellow Portland comedian Michael J. Phelps as well. I got to interview him about the movie before his weekly open mic at my father's place in Southeast. However, before we go on any further, since this movie was just released, and that you need a Netflix subscription to even see it, I'm going to issue an early warning detection system advisory of an incoming... Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Alright, here's a quick synopsis from Netflix. Kate Biaski, played by Jennifer Lawrence, an astronomy grad student, and her professor, Dr. Randall Mindney, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, make an astounding discovery of a comet orbiting within their solar system. The problem? It's on a direct collision course with Earth. The other problem? No one really seems to care. Turns out, warning mankind about a planet killer the size of Mount Everest is an inconvenient fact to navigate. Some might even say an inconvenient truth with the allegorical context of the film. With the help of Dr. Oglethorpe, played by Rob Morgan, Kate and Randall embark on a media tour that takes them from the office of an indifferent President Orlean, played by Meryl Streep, and her psychophantic son and chief of staff Jason, played by Jonah Hill, to the airwaves of The Daily Rip, an upbeat morning show hosted by Bree played by Kate Blanchett and Jack, played by Tyler Perry. With only six months until the comet makes impact, managing the 24-hour news cycle and gaining the attention of the social media obsessed public before it’s too late proves shockingly comical. What will it take to get the world to just look up? That last question is the linchpin of the whole movie. And a parallel to the allegory the film conveys about climate change and the nature of how we receive our news but we'll get to that in just a minute as you watch don't look up keep an eye out for small references to a pretty grim concept extinction dr mindy kate and dr oglethorpe might hold out hope for humanity to overcome their apocalyptic obstacle until the bitter end but there are signs scattered throughout the film that they're all just as doomed as everyone else by the pointless bickering that ensues from their earnest presentation of science and facts. Sound familiar? For example, when Dr. Mindy and Kate DiBiosky first decide to turn to the media for help in spreading their message, they pass by someone dressed as a dinosaur passing out flyers in the street. You might also notice a polar bear with an umbrella precariously located in the liquor store that Kate works at. Adam McKay wanted viewers to connect the comet with climate change, and visuals like this do a lot to hammer that point home. These are just some of the visual nods to ultimate catastrophe sprinkled throughout the action, so keep your eyes peeled for these and other dark clues that could be found in the background. In the meantime, let's get into some facts behind the awesome cast and director. The film was first a Paramount production, but in February of 2020, it moved over to Netflix. At that point, Lawrence joined the cast, and McKay had written the role of Kate DiBiofsky specifically for her, which may have helped make that happen. McKay was interested in having DiCaprio for the role of Dr. Randall Mindy, but Leo didn't sign on just right away. The writer and director had to spend a few months talking with DiCaprio, tweaking the character until the actor finally agreed to join the cast. Jonah Hill plays Jason Orlean, son of President Janie Orlean, and also chief of staff. In addition to being a riff on the nepotism of the Trump White House, Hill took inspiration from a non human subject. He had said his take on Jason was basically, What if Fire Festival was a person? which is a great summation of the character. So well done to Jonah Hill for portraying this character in the most likely way, should the Trump presidency had encountered a mega disaster other than the coronavirus. It was Jonah Hill's idea for the character to carry a Birkin bag everywhere, as he and the filmmakers thought it would add an absurdist touch if the president's chief of staff carried nuclear codes around in a $30,000 bag. McKay was able to put together quite the cast for Don't Look Up, Five different Oscar winners are in the movie. DiCaprio and Lawrence both have one, as does Mark Rylance. Kate Blanchett has a couple. Then, of course, there's Meryl Streep, one of the most venerated actors of all time. The only other sci-fi movie with this star-studded cast has to be Mars Attacks. It's too bad they didn't get Jack involved in this movie. Would have been clutch. Almost every actor in Don't Look Up goes through a bit of a physical transformation in order to become their characters, from Jennifer Lawrence's sharp bangs, red coif, and facial piercings to Leonardo DiCaprio's wild facial hair and Meryl Streep's coiled locks and cat-eye glasses. However, no one is quite as unrecognizable in their role as Mark Rylance as cellular tech mogul Peter Isherwell. Isherwell is an off-putting amalgamation of many figures from the tech industry's past and present. And costume designer Susan Matheson decided that since the character was poised to be someone who was anywhere between 40 and 80 years old, she wanted to maintain that ambiguity with fake teeth, hair, and everything else under the sun that would be available to a billionaire of his stature. He's also fully committed to his profession, as indicated by his choice of sweater during his life presentation. It's a gray design that resembles an electronic switchboard. In addition to creating a disarming physical look for the part, Rylance's look and demeanor also manages to capture the hellish essence of the character, which was originally inspired by the mythological character Karen, the ferryman of the River Styx in Hades. If he wasn't shudder inducing enough with his talent for predicting people's behaviors with the swipe of a hand, well, Rylance's disarming, droll delivery of Isherwell's most loaded lines should do the trick. Don't look up was shot during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, which meant strict protocols. That went so far that Lawrence had to film with a broken tooth that she could not get fixed until after she was done filming the movie. But Lawrence is a tough cookie. This was not the easiest shoot on Lawrence's body, apparently. A controlled glass explosion on set one day did not go as planned, and Lawrence was injured as a result. Fortunately, it was only a minor issue as she was fine to continue filming. I'm sure that she had more bumps and bruises on the set over the course of the Hunger Game films. By the way, the missing tooth was added in post-production. There's that CGI that you should bust out your tinfoil hat over. So for this fact, I just assume they filmed the scenes where his uh, beard was longer as first, you know, Leo's beard, and, and then, you know, the ones where they had to have him get a trim, you know, just for the sake of actual hair growth. But during uh, the arc where Dr. Mindy becomes a celebrity, he does get a makeover, which includes trimming that beard. However, DiCaprio doesn't grow his beard out and then have it actually shaved. Instead, hair extensions were woven into his beard to make it look longer earlier in the film. Could have fooled me, which I suppose is a testament to the development of hair and makeup technology in the film industry. There aren't a ton of movies about space objects crashing into the Earth and ending human life. Aside from, you know, the aforementioned Armageddon and maybe Mercury Rising. And yet, actress Melanie Linsky has done it twice... In addition to playing June, Dr. Mindy's wife, in Don't Look Up, she was in the 2020 film Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, which has a similar premise. Astronomer Amy Mainzer works for NASA investigating near-Earth objects. She also served as an advisor for the movie and helped in crafting scenes. DiCaprio and Mainzer also talked extensively to give the actor a better sense of the world of astronomy, which is something that DiCaprio is largely known for. I would go so far as to call him a method actor in that he adapts the persona general knowledge and characteristics of the character he is personifying according to adam mckay dicaprio had long conversations about the real mathematics behind it and really did get about six months of quality education in orbital dynamics great actors often go to great lengths to give extraordinary performances And that's what Leonardo DiCaprio appears to have done once again. Though the payoff isn't exactly huge, most of the movie's science aspects are spot on. Among the many things critics have had to criticize, facts aren't among them. Unfamiliar with the smartphones used by characters in the movie? That's not too surprising. They are hydrogens, which were made by the company Red. Primarily known for making movie cameras, the phone was a huge flop when they were released, which presumably led to a lot of them being available. Don't Look Up makes use of the hydrogens, but it isn't the only film to do so. They're closely featured in the Fast and the Furious 9 movie, as well as recycling plants all throughout the area that they were manufactured in. At around 1 hour and 41 minutes, a QR code appears on screen, If scanned, the link opens a YouTube video called, quote, Ariana Grande in Kid Cudi, Just Look Up, parenthetical, full performance video, Don't Look Up, Netflix, end quote. I've tried this myself, and it actually does work. Sarah Silverman has a quick cameo in Don't Look Up, in one of the movie's many montages of social media and internet videos. She appears to be on her podcast, The Sarah Silverman Podcast. One might assume that Silverman is playing herself. However, according to the credits, she is playing a character named Sarah Benterman, who happens to look and act exactly like Sarah Silverman. A coincidence? Methinks not. Don't Look Up is an admittedly heavy-handed satire about climate change. Naturally, its political nature has made it a bit of a lightning rod. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 55% rating, though that comes from critics and thus they must be responding to a bit more of the film than the politics involved. That being said, both the AFI and National Board of Review named it one of their top 10 films of the year, and some critics groups have given it awards as well. Even there, though, the divisiveness is clear. The Detroit Film Critics Society gave it Best Original Screenplay, while the Oklahoma Film Critics Circle named it Most Disappointing Film of 2021. Still better reviews than The Inconvenient Truth. Sorry, Al Gore. I don't know if that is uh, much of a bigger bite than losing the 2000 election, but I don't know. That remains to be seen. If you want to hear a super depressing yuppie take on the film go no further than of course forbes.com their take goes as follows netflix's don't look up which release on christmas eve is not a subtle movie it is a brash absurdist satire about the incapability of our political and media classes to respond appropriately to impending world-ending disaster gosh like that is such a stretch up next we've got an interview with portland comedian the super rad Michael J. Phelps. We talked about the movie before his weekly Friday night comedy open mic at My Father's Place in Southeast Portland. You can also grab a clip of Michael's band at the end of this show. They play as part of a show called Funny Jazz Talk, which is definitely worth checking out. But for now, check out this super awesome interview. all the free water i can drink but that comes with meeting with uh michael j phelps at my father's place yeah that's that's one of the the perks perks yes it's the perks of running an open mic is you get all the free water you can drink my gosh i aspire one day to have one of our basic human necessities (laughs) freely available to me it's pretty nice. Yeah. It's, it's pretty nice. Yeah. Well, you you deal a lot with basic human necessities. That's true. Tell us what you do, Michael J. Phelps. Um, I work in
1: homeless services. I supervise a street outreach team for Cascadia Behavioral Healthcare. Um, we try to help get people into housing with various funding and connected to other various resources, like social security benefits or health care. Uh, or IDs. You or, also
0: sling jokes. You, I, I do. I do that yeah, too, quite successfully.
1: Yeah, the, I don't know
0: how successful you are in your professional life.
1: Well, you know, the, all the homeless services stuff—that's just a hobby. The, the jokes <laughs> is where. Yeah, that's the. I problem. don't even like comedy. I just do it for the massive paycheck. Oh yeah. Of free
0: water. Who doesn't? While hosting an open mic. Right. <laughs> so. Uh, as I've said, the voice other than mine is Michael J. Phelps. We're here at my father's place on a Friday evening at this point, uh, leading up to the mic that you host here every Friday. Every Friday, baby. I'm personally very thankful for. it's uh, When I first came out here to scout moving from Florida, it was here, High Dive, and uh, the um, Oh, uh, Trails End with Dan Wianco that, uh, yes. uh, that I hit when I came out here and uh i feel very much in portland good here. good i mean there's stuff
1: hanging all over the ceilings <laughs> a and, lot uh, and the ceiling. a lot of
0: knickknacks and tchotchkes yeah <laughs> there's some dolls that have likely haunted some dreams that i've since forgotten but will now remember well now i'm going to dream about the dolls tonight yeah there's there's some participation trophies. There's Hell a Bottom Carter hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps so more people
1: don't talk about the things on the ceiling during their I, sets.
0: You know, I, I usually don't remember drunken sets, but one of the ones that I've had was definitely here. And, and I remember, because I'm tall, I went up and I, I was talking about, like, you know, isn't it great that Hitler was a hack artist, like, you know, a paint artist, as opposed to, like, a hack jazz musician. And I went to play the trumpet that's hanging from the ceiling near the stage. Oh yep. Yet it has no mouthpiece and no. <laughs> it's not. It's not. There's functional. nothing going. There's non-functional. No. Right. So I, I. I made my own, and I, I think it, from if memory serves, it went over mediocre. Yeah, that's how most jokes go over here at my father's place. Yeah. Is <laughs> yeah.
1: The the top of the line right. is
0: mediocre. The only person who crushes here is James Hardenfeld. Because yeah. he, he runs the, the wave, the initial wave of like, all right, open my comedy. We're doing it. It's, you know? it's happening. It's happening. <laughs> and yeah, uh, this is the place to do it for sure. Um, so we're, we're actually here to discuss Don't Look Up. Yes. Which I'm excited about. I, I, I like the movie. I did too. I, I loved thought it. it. was a great movie. I loved it. I've watched it twice. Okay, I've seen it just the once, but I definitely and that we're gonna skip ahead. So that brings me to like, are you're a serial watcher? I mean, if something's
1: good enough sure. and like poignant enough, then I'll, I will watch it again. Yes.
0: Um, Most of Monty Python, that's a once through.
1: I mean, I could watch Quest for the Holy Grail
0: over and over Okay, excluding the movies. Okay. But like Flying Circus, you know. Sure, sure. You do it once through and then maybe like the hits episode that they have at the end that has all the good stuff, because they know. Yeah, yeah. They know. (laughs) All right. Uh, But I will say,
1: having watched it twice, it was almost better the second time. Okay. Because there's some stuff in there that you're like, oh,
0: shit. Well, there's a lot of sensory input. Yes. In and of itself, as a movie, uh, where I because that's that's why I ask everybody, Are you a serial watcher of things? Because I am, I need to watch something two, three times to really capture the essence. Uh, if we're talking about Leo, you know, Shutter Island, I've watched in upwards of five times. Oh, god, there's so many little things in Nuances, there that you don't pick yeah, up on it, the first time. But... Shutter Island, uh, did I say that? Oh, I meant Inception, sorry. Inception Inception 2 yeah yeah that's the beauty of a podcast I could just (laughs) you know make it sound like I'm really smart (laughs) except I'm just a drunkard who happens to interview comics before open mics about movies and other sci-fi things (laughs) alright that's the opener right there that's the opener that's the whole thing Uh, let's start with the first question what's your Instagram Michael J Phelps Uh,
1: my Instagram is at MJ Phelps okay
0: P-H-E-L-P-S
1: Got in early Snagged it No numbers
0: (laughs) That's true No numbers Although I think the J May have uh, set you apart Maybe From at least one other person who we will not discuss Ah, Yeah, that hack piece of shit What a piece of (laughs) shit I'm uh, I'm a Thorpe fan Myself Ian Thorpe, it used the uh, Australian with the flippers, the foot flippers. Okay. I may be wrong. I'm gonna but, be but honest. That sounds pretty familiar. I'm gonna to be me. honest with you, Reese. I don't follow swimming. Mm. So I'm a six foot six man, and I did swimming and water polo. I can see school. that, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So that's my that's why I know of Australians Olympic swimmers. Yeah, yeah. That's a niche market. Very yeah, that and my other—I I have participated in very white sports in my in my day, sailing, competitive sailing. Oh yeah, that that's about as white as it gets. Yes, yeah. You did actually you do crew? I. D- <laughs> <laughs> I have I have done some rowing. <laughs> yes. I knew it. <laughs> it's, it's, the first time I saw you, yeah. I was like, this guy—he's <laughs> <laughs> done crew before. I've done everything but advocate for the environment, which is what this movie does, <laughs> but we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Because I, I know that you are passionate about such, such things, but I, I have to ask the questions that the people want to yes. hear, Yes, oh, absolutely. which is uh, how did you get started in comedy?
1: Um, I mean, I've always liked like joking around and riffing with friends and I was living in a house with a bunch of roommates and one of them really wanted to go do an open mic and then another person found one at the Funhouse Lounge, okay. which is one of my favorite Shout places out to do up, Funhouse Lounge, definitely for sure. Uh, and we all just mobbed in one Wednesday night to do the open mic, and uh, I like got a decent amount of laughs the first time I went up there because I was just like dumb and naive and have no idea what I was doing. Uh, like proto's like
0: stream of consciousness kind of stuff. I had like some stuff written, but yeah, it's, that like, was really my first like. Fourier was just stream of consciousness.
1: Yeah. I mean, I like, had jokes. I don't think they're good now. Yeah. But, like, got a decent amount of laughs and was just like, holy sure. shit, that was amazing. Yeah. I need to keep doing this.
0: Chasing that dragon. Yep. Yeah. Which we do attain from time to time. To time. If not, we, if we... <laughs> not here. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not here. <laughs> So, shifting gears to Don't Look Up, uh, what was your first exposure to Adam McKay as a director? If I think
1: about it, I think it was probably Step Brothers. Mm. Right? What, what's his earlier stuff before that? Didn't he do 40-Year-Old Virgin? Oh, then it was probably 40-Year-Old Virgin. Mm. So his, like, comedy, right. super,
0: like, jokey that, teenage that, humor stuff. That mid-2000 decade. yeah to 2018 or so i would say when he because there was a gap a little bit you know amid covid that he wasn't putting anything out right to my knowledge
1: i didn't like i honestly didn't know that don't look up was an adam mckay film until the credits
0: were rolling and it well, was they, like they didn't start it with the guy who from the guys who brought you <laughs> yeah, years over yeah. like they did every other you know like movie from that era because they want to associate, you know, like, for the guys who brought you Pineapple Express and Step Brothers comes this really poignant movie about, <laughs> <laughs> like, allegorical, you know, commentary on. Well, he did that with the, on, the big short, too.
1: Mm. The, like, I didn't realize that that was Adam McKay until the credits were rolling. Well, anything, I was like, Jonah, oh.
0: anything Jonah Hill is involved in <laughs> is probably Adam McKay. Is probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which his role in Don't Look Up was so good. Oh, he was perfect for it. Yeah, he played Eric Trump Jr. Er, <laughs> he played Eric Trump. Because uh, Jr. was kind of the... He was the one that you kept in the dugout. Eric Trump was the one that you can kind of put out <laughs> in public sometimes. Yeah, you just give him a ball and be like, Hey, go bounce this in the corner. Right. Until you're ready. And, and then there's a teleprompter with extra big letters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And he still can't read him. <laughs> he can't get it right. He's just like dozes <laughs> off. He's like, man, isn't shit cool? Man, stuff is cool. Isn't it great that like we have stuff? You know, like <laughs> yeah. it's just holy fuck. I, it, it was it was such like a surreal look at what I felt like I was looking at for the years of two thousand and what was it again? Even two thousand uh, twelve to sixteen. Direct During... No, no, sorry, sixteen to twenty. Sorry, 12 oh, to 16 yeah. were the drone strikes. Right. Uh, <laughs> 17 to 20 to 21 was, was when we were like, oh, hey, this is a bad thing. Yeah, it was, Yeah. It was, bad. it was bad. It still is bad. Still pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's all bad. It's You know, now that, now that we can have a. a there, there's a documentary out on 9 11 on Netflix where it's like, hey, let's have a retrospective. <laughs> and it's like, wait, no, 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 hold on. We're still in that forever war. We can't have a retrospective if we're still involved yeah, in still active don't. combat. And, it, you know, like, it, it, dude, it, uh, the whole reason I do comedy is to feel the endorphin rush from making other people laugh with me because I feel so bad about the fact that we're actively killing people in foreign countries uh, with our tax dollars. <laughs> Yeah. So no matter how many homeless people you help, Michael J. Phelps, it is all for naught. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because all, all of our tax money goes towards, I would say, at least 55 to 70% of that budget goes towards things that we have no representation of. So vastly there is taxation without representation. We should overthrow before the comet hits. That's all I'm getting at. <laughs> before the comet hits us, we should look up. And I feel like that's kind of, that's the premise, of is like we're being fed this narrative, don't look up, don't look at the thing that is going to inevitably kill us, which is our own behavior. Right. Because we're forced to then look inward, that's the ultimate weapon, is that we have to look at ourselves and our own behavior in society and say, okay, well there are things in this movie that I don't like about myself. So I'm going to pass it off internally or mentally as satire or, you know, like a, a gaffe. You know, like, it, things aren't, they, they can't possibly be that bad. It can't be happening to me. I mean, Although, that's, it is happening to all of
1: us. I mean, that's probably why there's people that, their reaction to the film is, well, that was just too poignant if I wanted to, uh, too like... Too on the
0: nose. Yeah,
1: like, yeah. Uh, if I wanted to be lectured by a PBS after-school special, I would watch that, and it's like... Right. The, no, dude. There were good jokes in there. Great jokes. <laughs> and There was like really all good memes, character development
0: and all, all the Jennifer Lawrence memes. I, I oh gosh, um, I feel like a, a doingle. But what what is what is her name in the movie? Oh, I can't remember. It's the name of the comet. It is the name of the comet. Kate DiBiosky. Okay. That's what's going on. <laughs> if I had a, a Reese Hendrick Blanca, first off, nobody would be able to pronounce it based off the spelling. You have a hard time. You introduce me as Reese Hendricks, plural. And, I know and it really just it, it just feels wrong to singularize yeah. it. Yeah, it, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I, but otherwise, your option is it looks like blanky on paper. So blanky? I, it, it's Blanca. Oh, is that your actual last name? Yeah, yeah. Okay. But it but it's spelled blank with an E on the end. So phonetically. Blank. blank. Or just blank. I get blank or blanky. That's those are the two that I got. So I've 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 retreated to my middle name. That's fair. Sometimes
1: I've thought that maybe I should have done that, but it's too late now. What is your middle name, Michael J. Phelps? James.
0: Michael James? Yeah. That's almost Paul, Paul Blart territory. Yeah, that's true. Kevin James. Yeah, although you're you're a far more stunning man. If I if I could be objective about it. Well, I mean, he's a good-looking guy. It's just uh, it's got some cushion. I saw the MMA movie. <laughs> I'm just a fan of flannel and beards. Yep. Hey, me too. <laughs> All right. Which character do you identify with the most, and why? I was going to say the
1: tech billionaire, because he's just, like, so good with words, and, uh...
0: That's what you identify with the most. <laughs> is no, your I could I, I, You Verbal acumen is what you... That, ca- that character is fucking hilarious, man. He, he is a mixture of Steve Jobs and Elon Musk. Except, like, he is... without
1: any, like, social skills or
0: presentation skills whatsoever. No, he reverts to the smile, and his smile, which is so fake, it's obviously a, a, a veneer, uh-huh. uh, it, it is, for whatever reason, enthralling. And, and you see that between corporate leaders, who are, I think, handpicked and groomed to be corporate leaders, and government officials. You see this relationship over and over and over again. Eisenhower warned us in '54 about the military-industrial complex. The people didn't listen right. because of the boom. We didn't feel the hurt until '71, '72. Then we didn't see the economic collapse really after that bubble and drug manifestation until 2007. And, and, and it's like you know, it, it, it's such a long-term thing to have to overcome that psyche, because these people play the fucking long game. I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> Steve Jobs <laughs> plays the long... He played the long game. Yeah, but then that died Gates, of cancer. Yeah, but that's... What the, a sucker. Yeah. Well, that's... He pulled, a, he pulled a bit of a Bob Marley. He just bailed out? Well, he was like, I'm not gonna followed traditional western medication so far as like uh like uh, uh oh did he really yeah he was no, stupid he,
1: yeah, oh, yeah he's a little
0: stupid he 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 was like i'm not doing chemo i'm not doing cellular regeneration i'm not doing bone marrow transplants because i think he had some form of leukemia if i'm not mistaken we'll we'll fact check that that might be the water cooler fact about steve jobs We'll, we'll, <laughs> what we'll see, kind of cancer? You what have. kind of cancer Steve Jobs had? It's very important. So okay, so you identify with the CEO <laughs> type, is what? That's what. It would no, be. I'm joking.
1: All right, I don't. I couldn't pick someone that I identified with because I don't know. I mean, I guess it'd be like. So you wouldn't Leo's whistle? You character. would Okay, so
0: you would whistleblow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I would. I'd blow. like to think that that's what I do. Yeah. And then what? What I found relatable about. Leonardo DiCap... Dr. Leo... Dr. DiCaprio... Whatever... Dr. Randall Mindy. I'm gonna call him Dr. 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 Leo. Dr. Mindy. Dr. Leo. um, When Jack from the Titanic found out that there was a comet coming towards Earth... Yes. And... Decided to blow the whistle, but then also cash in on all the fame and if attention If from the
0: Titanic blew a whistle, maybe he wouldn't have ended up in the bottom of the Atlantic. Yeah, what a fucking idiot. Mm. God, if only he, he had all a the whistle. Ch- if
1: only he had a whistle around Pretty his asshole. girlfriend's neck.
0: Right. Um... And held her off of that piece of wood. Yeah, same, <laughs> you know... Because uh, there was room for two. I'm there, sorry, this is a point of contention with many of my friends. And I am of the position that there was room for two. Well, there's definitely room for two. Kate
1: Winslet's a very petite woman. I would draw her like one of my Irish women. Yeah. French women. Are you Irish? No, I just like <laughs> Celtic women. Ah, nice. <laughs> yeah. Lossies. Um But no, my I think My wife if...
0: is very much Scottish, so I- Hell yeah. yeah. You got one. I got a little Hobbit <laughs> action. Think they She's got hairy toe knuckles, and I'm into it. That's all I'm saying. That's yeah. all I want the people hey, to do. Hey,
1: I got that too, buddy. Yeah. Alright. <clears throat> I'll show you my feet. I'll look at them. <laughs> so, but what I found relatable about uh, Dr. Leo's character was that, you know, watch for, yeah. for the fame, and. But then, like. Because
0: that's a, we're talking about a character arc. Yes. Yeah. Because he's like, yeah.
1: oh, this is great. I get to be on
0: TV. And, at first like, he's get so... To... Well, at first he's hella nervous about it. Yeah. He's like, alright, I don't know if I can handle, like, divulging this information to the masses. And then as he discovers more and more that people are, like, dumb as fuck and won't listen, he becomes a little bit more sensationalist in order to, I would say, step down a level to meet the general populace, on like, hey, this thing's actually gonna fucking hit us. Right, right. And it takes an insurrection type event in the movie, and during it, for people to say like, oh, hey, actually it's in the sky, hey, we can fucking see they fucking see this lied thing. to us! They lied to us. <laughs> I, I mean, it, like, like you know, it, and I think that's the main premise of the movie, is that eventually something undeniable shows itself. And, yes. e- and even then, the the faith in our government is so little that the uh, the outcome is likely to be a corporate uh, I don't want to say well yeah funded but also corporate minded attempt to address the problem. Yes, right. trying to capitalize on the disaster that's coming our way. I mean, you know, like it. it because we look at movies like, uh, what was it, Armageddon with uh-huh. Bruce Willis and and the Ben Affleck. And, you know, like that was my first introduction to Annihilation Theory. You know, that and like Mercury Rising or what have But like, you know, Armageddon, I don't want to close my eyes. Oh, yeah. I want to fall asleep because I, I miss, miss you, you, baby. And I don't, don't want to miss a thing. thing. All right. So, it had to be done. It had to. And just like how uh, Bruce Willis takes Ben Affleck's place so that his daughter can have a life with the man that she loves. And he saves humanity. Uh Uh-huh. There is no one in that position. It is literally just the emptiness of humanity and the fulfillment of corporatocracy. Right. And how it has usurped our government structure in such a way that it's like, oh, fuck you. I mean, we're gonna, you know, we've had this Plan C involved, which is their fuck-offery to, you know, like 27,000 years later. Yeah, yeah. They fuck off to this other planet, and the final joke (laughs) is is the CEO's premonition for the president which is that she gets eaten by a Blarknar or whatever the fuck yeah yeah that was very funny like, like, he's like oh I guess that's called a Blarknar and like like his, <laughs> whatever you do don't 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 let them. them yeah <laughs> like that's his last <laughs> statement like you know like you just let us which which brings me to a point you know I love science fiction the show is called Science Factual I am I am very much at the end of the day unfortunately based in this reality that we're all, we all agree to Right. at the end of the day, you and I are sitting here across the table, we're agreeing that, you know, it's dark outside and both of our cars are in danger <laughs> in the proximity <laughs> of this place but, but my point is, is like, alright we would never ex- be able to exist in any other biodome than that is this planet and even in sections of this planet we cannot survive right So, like, if we were to fuck off and somehow make it uninterrupted to another Class M, if we're talking Star Trek terms, planet, livable planet, we would get fucked so hard. There is no hope. You know, there are guys who, like Elon, who are like, I wonder how many uh, civilizations throughout the universe have made it to our point of advancement and didn't make it off their planets to terraform other planets, to expand outside of their original, like, their their progenity. Uh-huh. I mean, they probably focused their resources on
1: making sure that the inhabitants of this planet are doing okay. Doing okay, and that's what you're doing. Right. So but That's, that's a, what you're trying to do. That's what Bill Nye, uh, I remember he was on some, I can't remember what podcast it was, uh, But he was talking about like that he thinks. Was it the Joe Rogan experience? No, it was something that's not full of shit. (laughs) Uh, But he was talking about that he disagrees with Elon Musk's like mission statement, right? Because spending all that money to just basically like jerk yourself off into space is a waste when our own
0: planet is, is burning. It's misguided. He, he, okay, he had the audacity to say, okay, look, you know, if you can prove to me that $160 billion would solve our planet's problems, I will donate $160 billion of my, net, of my worth to solving Earth's problems. And no one individually or even societally, like, we, we can't pool the resources to determine that type of game plan. Right. Because it's so big. And, and, and people it's, are going to disagree right, well that's human nature I mean like, you know, even though you and I probably agree on I would say a vast majority of things, we disagree on things that are fundamental enough for us to live in different parts of like the world if it forced us to right? and, and, and like you know, the United States in and of itself covers three time zones, I mean like we should be two to three different countries we should not be this amalgamation of people who happen to agree with certain things yeah, like, like, there's, it's too much. There, are 320, and that's a low figure. I would say probably closer by the time this airs, 360 million people. That's a 40 million person increase <laughs> in, in the seven days it's going to take. Omicron's not doing its job, man. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, I, we still need cancer in the driver's seat, <laughs> but disgusting. I'll save that for the stage. I'll. Save that. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so do you think the government would even tell us if a comet was heading towards Earth that would annihilate all human life? Or would they even be able to do anything about it? Or for that matter, like, keep it a secret? Because I I think not. I think that there
1: would be internal debates about whether or not they should tell us... uh, And that would persist until it hit us. It would either persist until it hit us or someone would blow the whistle. Like, I think that someone would come out and be like... Yeah. But then, you know, everyone would just say that they're crazy... Right, and the government would be like, "Oh, yeah, actually, we were doing experiments with LSD currently, and
0: mm. this guy revived MK Ultra Oops. revival. Right, we sort of fucked his brain up. up. That's our sure. bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, and but there's this... no
1: comment. Don't look up. Just uh,
0: right. The, keep the, buying the, gas. Pro- keep buying gas, folks. The propaganda of capitalism would persist beyond the attempt to help us as a species. Yeah. Because their answer would be okay. We'll take the elite of the elite, which is the answer in the movie, and we'll shoot them off to a distant world that we think might be habitable. That's the last ditch effort. We wouldn't take some sort of preempt. Because the, the the flaw that I find with the movie is that you know it takes a very nine eleven approach to like a global issue, which. At the time, was like the war on terror. Uh-huh. You know, like it has no nation, there is no border. It ha- it's ambiguous, right? Like it may as well be a fucking comet coming from space, right? Right. Like how do you fight it without like a war of uh, of entropy? It, um, at any rate, so my point being is that, like, all right, so you're looking at an insurmountable force, right? Do do we pool resources like intelligent people, or do we waste resources like emotional people? I think. I mean, like in the movie,
1: like that they they come up with a plan to like deflect the comet to get it to be a near miss.
0: It's the bare minimum, though. Yes, that is the bare minimum but because that's really they have like... the Plan C resource or, or Plan the Plan C of. Mining the asteroid, or, you know, bringing it into orbit and mining it for resources, or break, or like breaking it, breaking up it up into smaller and then, and, pieces, into smaller pieces, and then mining it for resources when they, when the individual pieces land. But
1: well, that's only is, brought up when then the tech billionaire comes in and is like, "Oh, hey, uh, actually, it's it's covered in minerals needed for technology," and uh, <laughs> um, and. Like, as soon as that's discovered, then it's like, oh, well, we can make money off of it? So then, yeah, we'll do
0: the more dangerous thing. That character is so unsettling (laughs) because he has this, uh, you know, charismatic persona that you see in so many cult leaders and so many CEOs where it's like, okay, yeah, I have the answer. Trust in me. But then he's also super creepy and inhuman. Oh You know, I'm surprised that they didn't have a subplot of like that he was a reptilian Yeah, or just a robot Or, yeah, (laughs) or some sort of AI robot Right, yeah Where, you know, like, humanity thinks that we're on this path that we've created Yet there's some superior mind source or entity that is really controlling Yeah I think they could have explored in that a little bit more if they wanted to make it more science fiction-y but they wanted it to be a little bit on the nose in so far as the allegorical sense of it, yeah, yeah. climate change commentary.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it is, I think it is on the nose because that is what would happen if there was a comet flying towards Earth.
0: Yeah, I, I would likely consolidate.
1: A, first, and, they would, first they would just deny that it's a big deal or that it matters. Right. Um, and then when it was like, oh, it does matter, we'll do this thing about it, but oh, wait, we can make money, so we'll actually go with the money part. That is what would happen. And then and then spin it to the public that, well, it's going to create jobs. Right. So, like, we're all going to get rich. Yeah. The thing that's gonna, character, the thing oh, is gonna... 149 trillion, yeah. Oh, no, we're all going to be rich and everything's going to be fine. What a terrible
0: thing. Right. <laughs> Yet the thing that's going to kill us... Or the thing that's going to make us rich is the thing that's going to kill us. Right. You know, and, and that, that has been the case throughout a lot of industrialist society history, you know, it, it, insofar as, like, okay, well, we've seen that uh, smoke from industry is bad for the environment, so we've dialed that back. Then we've known that, like, okay, well, we have to set, like, certain work ages. Then we have to say, all right, well, like, you can't work within a certain mileage below the earth or within like a certain amount of fumes or you know like yeah, you know, yeah. as as science progresses but it's a bit misleading okay we, we trust in signage all right you know at, at a certain rad count or a certain you know uh, co2 count you know, right you're, you're, right you're okay but meanwhile when you join the marines they'll put you through a fucking gas chamber and spit you out the other side and be like, yeah, that's what it might be like when you face, like, a chemical attack from your, from our enemies. Meanwhile, you're going to fucking shrivel up in the battlefield, World War One style, with the assurance that you might be okay. You might. Who you knows? Might, yeah, likely not. Man, war sounds fun. War is so fun. You know, this is a comedy podcast. Um... <laughs> <laughs> So let me ask you this: Do you think the the movie got its point across in a meaningful way? You you think that the vehicle is enough to kind of wake people up because they're meeting people halfway? They're like, "All right, we'll beat you with a disaster movie, but we're gonna put it in your face that it's about something that's actually happening to you." I I mean I think
1: it <laughs> I think it accomplished its goal if the viewer already believes that climate change is real. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's a good way to put it.
1: But uh, if <laughs> they don't, then they're just like, whoa, Leo's funny and awkward, and yeah. uh, you know, Jennifer Lawrence is hot. Remember Wolf of Wall Street? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, if, if it doesn't hit a pre-existing audience, I'm sure it's not going to make a lot of conversions, yeah. I'm
1: sure someone was sitting there watching it, and was being like, didn't that guy die in the Atlantic Ocean? <laughs>
0: The last exposure they had to Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio yeah. <was> in Titanic. <laughs> yeah, that 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 tracks. So, all right. So, where where can we see you or hear you perform next, aside from this? You hosting this fabulous mic here at my father's yeah, place. Yeah, every Fridays. every Friday
1: at my father's place in is. the diner,
0: mm. um, which has. Fantastic food, great food, great chicken drinks. fried steak, great
1: service, stiff drinks, great service, laughs, all the laughs, so many laughs, a lot of bombs, but a lot of laughs Ooh. too.
0: Yeah, you call it 2003 in here because it's bombs over Baghdad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: okay, I've been on I have
0: a 9- I, I, I keep bringing it back to 9-11 and the subsequent actions. I've been on a 9-11 kick. And let me tell you something. No, it's nothing is worth it. This podcast, don't even listen to the end of it. Nothing is worth it. We, we have no influence in this, uh, you know, hologram society that we happen
1: to... Uh, oh, no, I gave up on Karen a long time ago. Yeah. just want to, like, enjoy my
0: life. Yeah? Okay. So, so you're you're eating steak with Agent Smith. You're like, you know what, I, I just, uh... I want, oh, no, I want
1: to see the truth, but I just, like, I'm like, well, I can't make it so that the government so
0: stops spending money on right. all this stupid shit. Yeah, that's true. Well, you know, so, like, the only thing that's keeping me from killing myself is curiosity. Because, like, I, I, would, I would rather die of natural causes not knowing how it ends than killing myself before knowing how it ends. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean yeah, Yes, yeah. absolutely. So, it's, uh...
1: I mean, I like to learn and, like... Find truths and obtain knowledge, but uh, right, which is why we do. Just trying comedy. to have less. Yes, <laughs> for all of the learning. Yeah, <laughs> for all of the smart things that happen during stand up
0: comedy right. shows. All right. Well, it, it, it looks like it's about that time, Michael. Thank you for joining me. Wait, can and I let me plug my shows? Yeah, plug your shows. Uh,
1: so Monday, January twenty fourth, Donnell's Bar in mm-hmm. Vancouver. Uh, then next Saturday at the Funhouse Lounge at 10 p.m. Funny Jazz Talk. That's going to be an awesome one. It is. Come out to it. And then, most importantly, my band is playing on February 26th at the Firkin Tavern. Okay. So come out to that.
0: I will definitely be there for that. What's the name of your band? The Quality. The Quality. Yes. I'm sure it is high quality. Well, it is. Follow us
1: on Instagram at
0: The Quality Band. All one word. Very cool. You're also at MJ Phelps. At MJ Phelps uh we've been at my father's place thank you so much for joining me i appreciate it let's go set up for this mic yeah let's do it hey look up everyone (laughs) this past week i went out to michael's mic at my father's place in the diner section with amanda and we had a great time hearing a ton of super funny comics with stiff drinks and good atmosphere shout out to marissa behind the bar and paul in the kitchen always a fun time at a solid mic in a very portland place it's now time for your water cooler fact Hardcore fans of the show know that I typically reserve this time to go over a little-known or not-off-discussed fact about the show or movie that we're covering, but this time, we're going to delve into two main aspects about the film itself. The 24-hour news cycle, and the likelihood of being annihilated by a rogue comet. We've been living within the 24-hour news cycle ever since the late 90s, most certainly since 9-11, 2001, but how do we get to this point? And why is it that even though we have more access to information than ever before, that most people seem to be ignorant of the larger issues that affect our planet as a whole? The first actual 24-hour news cycle broadcast wasn't aired until June 1st, 1980 on CNN. What happened that day in particular? The network signed on from its headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia, with a lead story about the attempted assassination of civil rights leader Vernon Jordan. Some attribute the full swing of the 24-hour news cycle to the O.J. Simpson murder case in 1994 and 1995 as the creator of the 24-hour news cycle that ushered in the era of cable news being a constant figure in our day-to-day life. I had to add this little tidbit of info here about the statistical likelihood of being hit by a planet-killing comet, and it's actually a little bit more likely than you might think. Not much in our lifetimes, however, perhaps 1 in 10,000, But over thousands or millions of years, major impacts become pretty likely. Ancient craters on Earth's surface prove that large objects have hit Earth in the past, and there's no reason to think that this won't continue in the future. The chance of an impact depends on the size of the object. The bigger the comet or asteroid, The smaller the chance, since there are many more small objects out there than large ones. Tons of debris, much of it in pieces smaller than grains of sand, do strike the Earth's atmosphere and burn up every day. These are the shooting stars commonly seen at night. Some larger rocks survive their fiery descent to the surface. You can see some of these meteorites displayed by museums. The truly dangerous objects, those large enough to cause regional or even global catastrophe when they hit, may appear once every few hundred thousand years. Therefore, the chance that such an object will hit us in any given year is roughly one in 300,000. Nothing to lose sleep over, but nothing to scoff at either. The Chihulub asteroid Jennifer Lawrence's character mentions that uh, hit Earth 66 million years ago in what is now Yucatan, Mexico, Uh, the estimated size of that asteroid was 10 kilometers wide, or 6 miles and resulted in 75% of all life on the planet dying off. Known as the Dinosaur Killer, the asteroid left a crater estimated to be 150 kilometers or 93 miles in diameter and 20 kilometers or 12 miles in depth. That's pretty intense. As an aside from the movie, at an hour and five minutes, Kate DiBiosky sets down a figurine of astronomer Carl Sagan next to the book Intelligent Life in the Universe, which Sagan had co-authored with Soviet astronomer Yosef Shlovsky, known for his work on existential risks to human life on Earth. Remember, we currently do not have anywhere near the technology required to divert a planet killer, so do yourself a favor and be informed. Look up every once in a while and see for yourself. Heck, you might even get to see one of them nifty UFOs everybody's talking about. Alrighty, folks, that about wraps up this week's episode. And if you've learned anything at all over the last hour, it should be that our existence is fickle and shouldn't be taken for granted. For all we know, a comet could be heading our way as you are listening to this broadcast. I mean, statistically speaking, it's more likely than not. I don't know. As always, I'd like to acknowledge the sources for today's episode, which are IMDb, ScreenRant.com, Looper.com, Yardbarker, and Starbase.com, along with insights gained from watching the film with my research and life partner, Amanda. I'm really looking forward to next week's episode because we get to cover one of my absolute favorite movies, the very weird and visually intriguing film Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. So make sure to tune in for that episode because not only are we going to recover some erased memories, but you'll get to hear an interview with local Portland comic and fellow nerdette, Sabrina Contreras. We met up at Firkin Tavern in southeast Portland to discuss the film before hitting up the comedy open mic there, hosted by the very awesome Kelly Irwin, who you'll remember from episode 9 of Science Factual, where we met up to chat about Mars Attacks. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Science Factual, you can catch past episodes on Mixcloud and on Spotify, as well as fresh, new episodes live every Tuesday morning from 8 to 9am, only on
1: Shady Pines, Shady Pines Radio.
0: Here's a clip of Wasted Grace by The Quality, with Michael J. Phelps, who you just heard on this episode on lead vocals and guitar. It's a great track that they laid down at the Crystal Ballroom here in Portland, so enjoy!